Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. One week after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Adrian Hills found out she was pregnant with her second child. Don't get me wrong, this, this baby is wanted. We are overjoyed, but my pregnancy now is somewhat tainted because it feels foisted upon me a little bit because no, I've no longer chosen this entirely. I'm sort of now stuck with it regardless of what happens. Hill says her bodily autonomy has been taken away by Georgia's new abortion law. She's also an older mother with a high-risk pregnancy and worries about what would happen if something goes wrong. It's women voters like Hills that Democrats are counting on this November, and gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams is sending a warning about what could be ahead. This bill, which took effect on July 20th, is the tip of the iceberg. Republican Governor Brian Kemp hasn't said whether he would support more restrictions on abortion if he is reelected. Well, voters haven't asked me that question. So I'm not worried about what a voter's asking you. Meanwhile, Republicans are debating U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham's proposed 15-week federal abortion ban, something U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker says he would support. How are the politics around abortion shifting ahead of the midterms? I'm Emma Hurt with Axios Atlanta. I'm Raul Bally, politics reporter at WABE. I'm WABE politics editor Susanna Capaluto. I'm Sam Greenglass, politics reporter at WABE, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast about the Georgia midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote it's a duty. because I want to make an and impact. I vote my because I want leaders who care voting about Voting is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. Hey, good to be back with you guys. We knew abortion would be a big issue in this year's election and probably bring women out to vote, at least on the Democratic side. And the Georgia GOP is not fully touting the abortion restrictions now in place as a victory. But others like Herschel Walker are all in, agreeing with Senator Graham's proposal for a 15-week federal ban. Where did that come from? Well, I actually asked Walker about this way back in the spring when he was just the Republican frontrunner, not yet the nominee, and before Roe v. Wade had been overturned. So think back to that time in our lives. And here's what he told me then. There's no no exception in my mind. I can say I believe in life. And I do it. No exception. And, you know, it's notable that Walker is saying he would support Lindsey Graham's proposal if he gets to the Senate because many other Republican candidates in other states and other races, they don't want to touch this thing. And meanwhile, Democrats are still hoping to use these Republican stances like Walker's to energize their voters. The left-leaning polling firm Target Smart said this week that 60% of mail ballot applications in Georgia so far have been from women. And there's a new Quinnipiac poll that found abortion is still the top issue for Democrats in this election. But among independent voters, it is inflation, not abortion. Abortion is still important to these voters, but it is a bit further down the list. And I mean, Democrats, the Abrams campaign, as we know, are banking on this changing the electorate that we're even seeing in polling by bringing out a disproportionately female electorate and energizing people in a way that, you know, six months ago didn't seem 
likely. And they point to the Kansas referendum that we all have heard about on abortion and, you know, special elections in New York and Alaska that where abortion played heavily and abortion rights candidates won. And so we've seen Abrams in many different settings lean into this issue, which is kind of ironic in a way because she's been very open that she was once had a personal anti-abortion stance, but has come around. A couple years ago, if Abrams was crafting her re-election campaign, I'm not sure how big abortion would have played in it. But in this moment, Democrats are not shying away, as you said. So abortion will absolutely turn out socially conservative voters. And let me explain how advocates on that side of the issue are really trying to focus their message. On Thursday, I went to a summit being put on here in Atlanta by the Family Research Council. Now, that is one of those uh, socially conservative organizations that focuses on abortion and LGBTQ issues. The Southern Poverty Law Center has designated it as a hate group because of their false claims around the LGBTQ community. So it is a controversial organization, but it's an organization that's worth following because it brings in big names on these issues. And one of the people they heard from was South Carolina Republican State Senator Josh Kimbrell, and he's talking about something I've heard before. Overturning Roe v. Wade was really only about sending the issue back to state lawmakers and courts. I think a lot of people believed after Roe fell that that was it. You know, that's really the hard political battle we're in now, is a lot of folks, they don't necessarily understand that when Dobbs is handed down and Roe's overturned, like, okay, well, we're pro-life now. The, really, the battle's just begun. I mean, all we did was press reset to where we were 50 years ago. Now, the summit also heard from Governor Brian Kemp, and, and what jumped out at me is, and, and, and this is kind of jumping off what, what Emma said, Stacey Abrams is leaning into abortion. You get a sense that Governor Kemp is leaning back because in this speech given to a group like the Family Research Council, it was a very minimal mention of Georgia's new six-week abortion ban. We believe we need to protect life at many stages. You know, we passed the heartbeat bill here, but we've also done adoption reform. We have done, we have done foster care reform. As you heard in the show open, I asked Governor Kemp at a campaign event last month, what would he say to voters about future abortion legislation? And as you heard in the show open, he said he's not hearing that question. And that's coming from questions from reporters like me, Sam and Emma. And so you're hearing Raul there talking about Governor Kemp speaking to an event of what is basically base voters. And I've been wondering, you know, how Kemp's message, Kemp's history with abortion legislation in the state would play with more independent minded voters who might not necessarily agree with the 2019 abortion law Kemp signed. Last week, Emma and I saw Kemp along with Nikki Haley, who is the former South Carolina governor and maybe a future White House aspirant at the varsity in Atlanta. And I asked them, you know, in a very different setting than the one Raul was at, if Roe v. Wade being overturned made Kemp's re-election campaign harder, made Republican campaigns around the country more challenging, because, you know, they also need voters who might be more in the middle on this issue. Well, I mean, look, the Supreme Court threw the decision-making back to the states, and I think they got the ruling right from a, you know, a strict textualist view of the Constitution and that the states decide this issue. As you all know, we passed a bill, our 
heartbeat legislation in 2019 uh, that Georgians have known about for over three years now. But I will tell you this, there's been a lot of lies and mistruths told about what our legislation does, so I would urge Georgians to make sure and get the truth. But I will tell you, we are a state that values life. And Haley, like Kemp told Raul, said she doesn't hear about abortion from voters. But what I'll tell you personally, I'm pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and we had trouble having both of ours. So we have, you know, that's a personal choice. But for every person, it's personal whether you're pro-choice or you're pro-life. And that's why I think it was so important that we not leave it on unelected justices to make that case for us. The fact that it's going back to the states and everybody can go to their legislator and everybody can fight. And, you know, of course, abortion rights advocates would say to Healy's position that, yes, it is a personal decision and that's why the government should not be banning it in any form and restricting someone's ability to make their own decision about it. But I think what's interesting is that what Haley's saying about enthusiasm or interest in this issue is also something we heard this last week from senior advisor to Joe Biden, former Atlanta mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. She spoke to one of my colleagues this week and said that while she expects abortion to be the biggest motivating issue in the midterm, she's not seeing the enthusiasm that she would hope to see at this moment, and she's hoping that it will come a bit later. But that is not exactly great news for Democrats that Bottoms is admitting that herself in this moment. So when people ask me about what the bottom line is around this issue and what it means for the November elections, it really comes down to how many extra voters is the abortion issue going to bring in? How many extra social conservative voters? How many supporters of abortion rights? And then how will this affect independent voters? And that's what I'm trying to figure out when I'm on the ground talking to voters. It's those 5% independent voters everybody is worried about. Also, it seems we will have a debate between Herschel Walker and Senator Raphael Warnock. It will be October 14th in Savannah. Warnock is still asking that Walker debate him at least one more time in Atlanta or Macon, where Warnock already agreed to appear. So what do y'all expect? I think everyone, both in Georgia and around the country, might be excited to see Warnock and Walker together on a debate stage. There's been so much back and forth between these two candidates individually on the campaign trail, on Twitter, um, but I at least have not seen them share a stage yet together. And I think the stakes are fairly high. I'm, for one, I'm just excited that this is not a, a debate about debates that we have to talk about as much anymore in this podcast, perhaps. Although, as we know, Warnock is continuing to push for a second debate that, um, you know, I actually will be a panelist on whether Herschel Walker shows up or not. Emma, I'm just also curious if those other debates happen, there will be still that empty podium. So maybe depending on how this one goes for Walker, he may agree to do the other debates. There's always a chance. Well, no doubt this debate will get a lot of eyeballs and coverage. And we saw some numbers this week that the Georgia U.S. Senate race has the largest amount of money, like $197 million, spent on TV ads in the country. That comes from an analysis by Ad Impact Politics that includes already spent dollars and reserved ads. Now, Raul, that must be a big windfall for our local commercial media outlets. It is, and, and probably the most interesting development in, in that area is uh, here in Atlanta, you have WSB Television, which is one of the higher-ranked stations, 
and they announced that they're going to take the Tamron Hall show off the air for the run-up to the election and replace it with a 3 p.m. newscast, effectively just to have more inventory to play all these commercials that you and me are going to be watching. That's basically the reason why WSB television is doing this. And it really is just one of those things that make you realize just kind of how big of a center we've become here in Georgia for commercials, for campaigns, and for everything. Well, let's take a break. This is Georgia Votes 2022. I'm Susanna Capaluto. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022. Today with Raul, Sam and Emma, the full band is here. We've talked about abortion. Let's talk about the other issue we know is on voters' minds, inflation. Raul, you're an econ guy. We had some new numbers out this week. What's the latest for Georgia? So here's the bottom line. The price of gas is going down while the cost of other things are going up or still higher than they were a year ago. Groceries, the cost for those who rent their homes and apartments, medical services, overall, the consumer price index, which tracks, you know, a lot of different goods and services is up about 8% over the past year. But let me go back to groceries. The food index is up 11% over a year ago with, with some of the largest increases for eggs and butter, something I've seen, you know, as somebody who, who buys the groceries and and cooks both of those things. One other thought uh, that I want to mention here, and it's looking at the difference between unleaded gas prices and diesel prices in Georgia. According to AAA, unleaded prices are down about 30 cents over the past month, while diesel is only down 8 cents. And then looking over the past year, unleaded is now up only 25 cents, while diesel is up $1.50 a gallon from a year ago. So many of the goods that you and me get come on trucks fueled by diesel, like groceries. So many of the service trucks use diesel. So while it is cheaper for you and me to get to the grocery store, it's not cheaper for all the things that are being delivered to the grocery store. And that's that may be one of the reasons why we see prices kind of still sticking, even though we're seeing gas prices come down, not seeing diesel come down. And just to localize this, a bit even further. The second biggest jump of the consumer price index over the last year is the Atlanta metro area. And as Raul mentioned, prices for food and rent are still going up, even as some of these other markers are cooling a little bit. And so I asked Kyle Wade uh, with the Atlanta Community Food Bank about how this is impacting the community that they serve. And he said they actually had a dip in demand kind of around the summer of 2021 after the worst of the pandemic. But right now, they are serving as many people as they were during the height of the pandemic when lots of people lost their jobs. Uh, right now, they're delivering about 10 million pounds of food per month, and that's serving 150,000 households. What we're hearing from people is just 
they were already living on really tight budgets, but they were making it work. And when gas prices, housing prices have gone up, it's a death by a thousand cuts, right? And so every month, just that pressure has gotten ratcheted up as inflation has continued. And until we really see it start to slow down, I think we're going to have this really elevated level of need. And again, as Raul mentioned, cost of food going up for everyone, that affects the food bank too, who is trying to procure lots of food for the customers that they serve, uh, especially things like frozen chicken and eggs, as Raul mentioned, plus canned goods, which is a big staple for the community food bank. This is a mix of both first-time people who are coming in and who have never needed the service of a food bank before, but also regular clients who are needing to come in more frequently, especially families with children. So, you know, we talk about inflation as kind of this high-level political issue, but at the same time, there are real challenges for people in the community who are grappling with what this looks like every day as they try and fill their food pantry at home. Now, Sam and Emma, voter outreach and engagement is starting. You were both on a call this week with the New Georgia Project's 501c4 Action Fund, which is technically separate than the nonpartisan 501c3 NGP. Now, what have you learned? Yeah, the 501c4 is, you know, tax exempt, but it does allow for some political advocacy. Meanwhile, the 501c3 is solely nonpartisan work. That being said, top staff are working between both. And what we learned from the political 501c4 this week was not that engagement is starting, that it is like rocking and rolling for them. They said that on that day, there'd be 10,000 doors knocked just on that day by I think 150 volunteers. And they're expecting another 800,000 doors knocked by November 8th, 1.2 million doors this year. I mean, their stats are staggering, and they argue that they have the biggest operation of anyone in the state, including campaigns. Everyone has their own numbers on that. I'm sure Republicans would take issue with this because, as we know, New Georgia Project was founded by Stacey Abrams, and they you know, are overtly advocating for progressive causes in their political advocacy. I think that what this tells us is while we see campaigns and candidates out at press conferences like Doors are still being knocked by Democrats, by Republicans across the state right now. Brian Kemp, his ground game operation that he built in the primary never slowed down. And he, too, is hitting hundreds of thousands of doors. The RNC said they hit a million doors knocked in Georgia a couple months ago already. So this is already raging. And maybe some of our listeners have even had door knocks themselves, even in September. And I was also curious whether any of these organizations were having trouble recruiting volunteers or organizers, given there have now been several really intense election cycles in Georgia. And I wondered, is there election fatigue? Are people less enthused to sign up and go knock doors on a Saturday morning? And here's what Ense Ufat, the head of the New Georgia Project, said. I think that we're on track to match our 2020 um, uh, volunteer numbers. Now, 2021, the special election was different um, because we were the only race in town. Are there any challenges recruiting organizers? Uh, Yeah, I think fatigue is something that we have had to overcome. Um, I think that there's just a lot, there's a lot happening. So y'all may remember on a recent podcast, we heard from some Democratic operatives about how phone calls have just become completely ineffective, that 
the contact rates have just tanked significantly, in some cases 5% versus knocking on doors 25 to 30%. I actually talked to Scott Johnson, who's been involved with Georgia Republican politics for years, and he's saying that they're kind of seeing the same thing where that gap is widening, and it really is in the end about meeting voters where they're at. And we've had some polling out this week that pretty much confirms that things are tight and that Warnock and Kemp, the incumbents, have stayed ahead of their challengers. This poll also showed that a vast majority, like 90 to 95 percent of voters, have made up their mind already. So is all that advertising we're getting now just for those five percent? Two answers to that. One, kind of, and those 5% in this state are super important. And so campaigns are making the financial decision that it's worth the hundreds of millions of dollars to try to talk to them. But secondly, it's about turnout, right? I mean, the point of an ad is to just remind you to vote, remind you why you would want to get out of your house and go and cast that ballot in November. And so it's both, um, as always. But It is crazy to see that 5% undecided rate two months out from an election. Now, Raul, you had an interesting question from a listener. Why are Republicans first on the ballot? So, yeah, it was, and it was, I was like, hey, I, I need to figure this out too. So here's the interesting thing. It's actually written in Georgia law. And if you go to my Twitter feed, I've, I've actually put the code up there. It comes down to, Who won the last gubernatorial election? And whoever won that last gubernatorial election, their party gets listed first. That's why Republicans will be first on the ballot. And by the way, I've also posted a picture of a sample statewide ballot. So whoever wins, whether it's Governor Kemp or if Stacey Abrams wins, that's going to decide who's listed first on general election ballots for the next four years. That's super interesting. And no, you can always email us with questions at georgiavotes at wabe.org. Georgia Votes 2022 comes to you from the WABE Politics Desk. Kevin Rinker is our producer. Don't forget our sister podcast, Political Breakfast with Lisa Ram, Theron Johnson and Brian Robinson. They will go live on Tuesday, September 20th at 6 p.m. at Georgia State University. It's a free event and you can find out all about it at wabe.org slash events. And the NPR Politics Podcast comes to the Buckhead Theater on October 20th. We hope to see you there. Oh, and please rate this podcast. We'll see you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.